1: Episode 213, How to Save Your First $100,000. Welcome to the Frugal Friends Podcast, where you'll learn to save money, save money. embrace simplicity, embrace and live a richer life. Live life. Here are your hosts, Jen and Jill. Woo, 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 woo. Welcome to the Frugal Friends Podcast. My name is Jen. My
2: name is Jill.
1: And today we are talking about the most difficult amount of money that you will save your first hundred K. How do you feel about saving a hundred thousand dollars, Jill?
2: Well, if you can't tell by my little intro song, I feel excited, challenged, like I got an actual goal in mind. I think it's great, especially for those who might be finished with debt payoff. If you're not, that's totally fine. That is still a fantastic goal. But I think once we get to debt payoff, we can wonder, well, now what do I do with all these frugal skills that I've built and an ability to reach a goal? And this feels it feels in some ways lofty, but yet also attainable, especially after having perused these articles. So I'm excited to get into it and
1: inspire myself and inspire the (laughs) listeners. (laughs) Yes. But first, our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by the 2022 Spending Symposium, June 27th through 30th. Woo! So if you guys were with us last year, you remember we had a Frugal Living Summit last July. It's in June this year, but it is four days of interviews. We have over 20 speakers with us and we are honing in on spending. That's literally all we are talking about for four days. Why do we spend? How do we spend better? How do we optimize our spending? It's all around that aspect to try and help you either conquer overspending, feel better about spending in your budget, whatever issues you have, with spending. And so it's four days just talking about that. So registration opens in two weeks and this is a free event. So be sure if you're not already on our email list, head to frugallivingsummit.com to get on the wait list to be the first to know when registration opens. But we are so excited. June is going to be an awesome, awesome month that caps off with this great event.
2: And it's so fun. It's all virtual. So no Mm -hmm. worries if you're traveling or you need to be home, you can jump on, engage as you're able. And we've got live happy hours that happen each night. So if you want to join us live, that can happen too. But all from the comfort of your computer or your phone for free.
1: Yes. So if you are as excited about saving $100,000 as I am, that was a huge milestone for us to do and i know that it is the hardest for most people so if you want to queue up a few other inspirational and informational episodes to play after this one we love episode 165 where to save your money because we're going what we're going to be talking about today is a little bit different from what we talked about in 165 but both are kind of essential and then episode 204, how to transition from spender to saver. Because that's a skill you're going to need if you want to save $100,000. But now. And now. The headline. Let's, let's get into our articles for the week. This first one is from Four Pillar Freedom. And it's called The Math That Explains Why Net Worth Goes Crazy After the First 100K. So we wanted to put first out why it's so hard, why it's so important, and some of the math that goes behind it. What did you think of this one, Jill?
2: So I have a confession to make to you, Jen, and I'm going to do it publicly on this podcast, that this article opened my eyes to. We were talking a while back about our membership that we have, that we get to enjoy just more relationship, more community over in that membership. And you were expressing a goal at one point that you want to help women get to their first $100,000 in savings. And I was so on board. I'm like, how beautiful, Jen. This is amazing. You know, it's, that sounds so cool. Helping women get to 100 k in savings or net worth awesome, let's do it. But to me, it kind of felt like just a cool arbitrary number. Like, sure, we found, like, we we're aiming at six figures. That sounds like something people might want to do. Let's go for it. I support you. And I don't think it was until I read this article that there's actual math and reasoning behind That six-figure number, and I really like how this particular article explains that in the beginning, that they noticed this trend of people who saved their first $100,000. Now, they're talking about savings and investments, but how they didn't really see Exponential growth in that or a huge dent in their savings until they got to that six figure mark. So, Mm -hmm. saving up until that point is still valuable and worthwhile, but we're not really going to see the benefit of compound interest until that 100,000 mark until we see the scales start to turn. So it's not just an arbitrary number. There's a reason to aim at that number in order to see a noticeable impact in the wealth building and what our future can look like. And what what a remarkable aim to put our frugal skill set to, to be able to notice something profound for Mm -hmm. our future. And it doesn't even have to be that distant of a future if we can start aiming at this now. So. That's my confession and my reaction to this article, that it really helped something click for me of, oh, this is why. This is why Mm -hmm. it's a decent aim. It's at that point that we really see a big shift in our ability to make more money.
1: Yeah. I don't always do a good job of explaining why I think things are important. I just am really good at telling you things are important, (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, so it's not just an arbitrary number. But part of it is like you do get a mindset shift because we are used to seeing numbers in f- um, like five digits, like annual salaries or like bonuses. That's kind of like five digits are kind of the max for most people. We are not conditioned to see six figure numbers. And so the first time you see a six figure number, not only does the math click, but your reality shifts as well, because it's it's a number that people don't get to until maybe later in life, until they don't have all of the time for compound interest to build. So if we can make that shift earlier with our money and our mindset and get used to six-figure numbers, then the change doesn't just compound in the accounts, but it can change in our minds as well. And that's that's a big reason why that six-figure number is so important. But it is also the hardest to get because of the math. And if you're in our membership, you'll see in the Personal Finance Simplified course that we have in there, we actually have a lesson about compound interest and investing and you can see that um, it's what James Clear refers to as like the plateau of latent potential. And you think that your growth is going to be this linear path. It's just going to go like straight up. But what we see is that really it's if you zoom out, the, the first 10, 15, 20 years is pretty pretty flat. You're going up a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. And then once you hit that 10, 15-year mark, you start to make like crazy growth. And once you hit the 20-year mark, it just, it doesn't even go like, you know, east, west anymore. It's just going straight north. Like that, that line looks like it's going straight up. <laughs> it's a slide. You don't want to go down. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it, it is, but you have to get through that first 10, 15 years where the progress looks pretty flat. And that's where this 100,000 mark is. And and we have a graph where it shows you on the path to a million, what that first 100,000 looks like. And it's the the shift is yeah. kind of crazy.
2: For anyone who has a mortgage, it's it's a similar concept. Uh-huh. Those first few years, it's primarily interest. And then the last years, it's primarily principal. And yeah, you're, <laughs> that's not quite the, the way that we want to work towards wealth. But it's that kind of concept where there's a lot of heavy lifting at the front and then you just see amazing results towards the end. But even better with saving and investing than with paying down interest on your house. But with the way that they break down the math, I think it was helpful for me to digest and felt attainable. And I also liked how they gave a realistic expectation for how long this would take. Mm -hmm. So they give a basic example of someone investing $10,000 annually with an interest rate of 7%. Obviously, you're not always guaranteed that. This is just the numbers that they're working with. Interest rate of 7%, it would take a little over seven years for you to reach that $100,000 mark. But I would say investing, saving $10,000 a year is relatively attainable for the average person. Your average salary could potentially do this. Maybe you'd have to add in a side hustle. Um, maybe it would take you a few years to get to that point, And that's fine too. But it also felt pretty typical, pretty average if you were going, you know, decently hard at saving that amount of money, which again, I like attainable. I like what can be sought after for the typical average person. You know, if the average household is earning collectively $60,000, then this is possible. Obviously, there are people who that's not the case, and it will take longer, but recognize, you know, seven years isn't short. So even if it's 10 years, 15 years, it's still worth aiming at because like we're describing here, you're going to see exponential growth once you hit that mark. 10, 15 years might feel like a long time, but let's still get after it because once you reach that 10, 15 years, the amount of time that it takes to reach the next $100,000 is going to be even shorter than that. So I that was helpful for me that
1: bite size understanding of oh here's how I can break it down into smaller goals yeah and we don't want to minimize ten thousand dollars a year for somebody who's never invested before that's a lot you yes. don't have to start there it's yes. it's totally okay like as I'm not refine, doing it yet <laughs> right. will, I'll clarify I'm not doing it <laughs> yet it just felt
2: like oh okay in one yeah. year it's less than a thousand dollars a month.
1: Yeah. So you can start with $10 a month and work your way up. I think 10 years to get to $100,000 is a totally reasonable goal and typically when you set your eyes on something that's 10 years away, you end up doing it in a fraction of the time as well. So if you set a 10-year goal, you're likely going to reach it in that, you know, 7.84 that we're talk- that we're seeing here. Or even less. You just have to start working towards it. But yeah, so 7.84 is what they are. And and I love the, I use the 7% when I calculate retirement savings too, because a diversified portfolio will usually return that. So 7.84. And then your next 100K, this is the hypothetical Shannon. Shannon is our hypothetical friend who invests $10,000 a year. If Shannon changes nothing and keeps investing for the next 10 years or for the next like however many, she reaches her second $100,000 in 5.1 years. And so how does that happen? It's because of compound interest. Every time your money can build on other money – it's gonna grow faster. And so that's why it always takes, when you're starting at zero, you have nothing to compound on. That's why the first 100K is going to take the longest. And then it's going to get shorter every 100K from there. So we get five, just over five years for the to double the money essentially. And then for the next, we go down to 3.78 years. And then we go down to three years. And then we go down to $100,000 in two and a half years years. So that's over. Our hypothetical friend Shannon has gone from zero to half a million dollars in 22 years. But that path, and you can even see right on this graph, it has not been linear. The first 7.84 of that years was the flattest. And then we get a little bit more curve up for the next 100K and a little bit more curve up. And then once we get to a million, that graph just it starts shooting up. But I thought it was really, even like for somebody that has saved it, to see those time blocks get shorter and shorter on this graph is super eye-opening and encouraging, especially when I feel like my saving is kind of arbitrary at this point.
2: Yeah. I also really enjoyed the graph that showed what growth on our savings and investing would look like at different interest rates because I think that's always the hole that we want to poke in this of, oh, well, you're not going to get 12% interest. You're not going to get 10% interest. You're going to be 7% interest. So it's helpful to see what the growth looks like. Obviously, it's less growth if it's a 3% interest, but it's helpful for my brain to see that chart.
1: Yeah, I also liked that graph because sometimes people will use six, sometimes people will use eight. So you can see depending, I mean, the interest rate is arbitrary because you can't control it, but you can kind of see the difference or actually I would say like the not big difference like how fast you're going to save. But I it's less important to focus on the rate of return and more important to focus on the rate of saving, uh, which is kind of where we get into going through in these like these next charts. Let's see. Yeah, and then the, the author just says like the math works at every level. So <laughs> yeah, and the magic of compound interest doesn't tend to reveal itself until you cross. 100,000 net worth mark, but then you get to see it at every level beyond there.
2: Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10 times points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. Nerd Wallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side-by-side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards, a free flight, a room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions.
1: Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet, finance smarter. AI
0: might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. oracle.com slash strategic.
2: So let's talk about how to do this. What are some of the key components? If we were to say, this is a great aim, I want to do this. How do we do it? Mm -hmm. And so Investopedia has a really great article breaking some of that down that we're going to go through. Jen, what'd you think?
1: So I liked this article because it was a little different than all the other ones. Like, yes, you're going to get lower your expenses and increase your income. Duh, every article is going to say that. But there's a few unique perspectives that I think you you don't really hear about or think about unless you're like entrenched in the personal finance world. So I really wanted to like go through all of these to to make sure that like you know that it's not just about lowering your expenses and increasing your income. Obviously, those are the two biggest things, but there is more to it. So the first one here is the right mindset. This was actually the first one on most of the articles, which just brings like back home the point that your mindset is not just like a woo-woo thing that you don't have to think about. It is something that directly impacts your ability to do the concrete actions. Um, And so for most people, saving, like what I said in the beginning, saving your first $100,000 is difficult because we don't think in six-figure numbers. We don't think that we are capable of those numbers because we have not reached them ourselves. We do not have people close to us that have reached them or people in our outer network that have six-figure savings, at least that we know of. I would argue that there are probably people with six-figure savings that just don't talk about it because they think it seems like like they're being better than other people. And so I think that's another reason why we need to like expand the personal finance conversation, because if you have $100,000 saved, you should feel more free talking about that in a way that lifts other people up and doesn't lift yourself up. And there for sure are ways to do that. But, but yeah, we need to have the right mindset and believe that a six-figure or seven-figure net worth is not only attainable, but it is simple to achieve and it is necessary to achieve. Honestly, $100,000 is not going to get you anywhere in retirement. So it is like minimal requirement to get to six figures. And it's just the earlier you get there, the better off you are down the road.
2: Similar to debt payoff, saving your first $100,000 is not going to happen accidentally. So we certainly have to have a mindset that Corresponds with an ability to do this and the why behind it, why we're doing it that's going to keep us sustained because at best it's going to take over set like a little over seven years. And for those of us who live on a little bit lower incomes, Mm -hmm. it's going to take even longer than that. So that's a marathon. That's not a sprint. It's going to take a while. So we're going to have to have a good framework in our, in our thought life and. How we're going to get after this goal. Of course, the next thing, like we said, it's going to be on all of these articles, but it's worth the reminder that we're going to need to keep costs low. Mm -hmm. Again, this is going to be in a sustainable way. This cannot just be rice and beans forever and always, because again, we're talking seven to 15 years that this could take us to get to this point usually after we've paid off debt, unless you're combining debt payoff with savings and investing, this is this is long-term. So keeping costs low, but in a way that's going to work for you long-term. Some of this could mean looking at, of course, your variable expenses, your food. That's a big expense every month and so certainly making the smaller shifts like dinner at home not eating out as much i know it sounds relatively minimal but over the over a year over 2 years 10 years that is going to add up to thousands of dollars of money savings that if we've got that mindset to support it can go towards that savings and investing yeah Looking at transportation costs, housing costs, of course, you want to look at the big expenses and the little expenses and trying to keep it as low as possible.
1: I was just thinking, so we say it's a marathon to get to $100,000, but you can run a marathon in a day. Like You can run it in a day. A marathon. Yeah. And when you're training, so like yeah. if you're a regular runner, even if you, I don't run marathons, but I'm a regular runner. Like I could run a marathon in a month or two, like a uh, 26.2 miles. I could do that in like two months easily. Like this is like a marathon is nothing compared to this. So like think <laughs> so about true. that when you're using the terminology like <laughs> – it's it's not a sprint. It's not a marathon. It's like a lifelong like this is a haul. Like I don't even know.
2: It's not training even an ultra ground. marathon. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah. This is a training is for intense. an ultra triathlon. And so like get the magnitude of it. Like this isn't I know like fire bloggers and like all these other people will make it seem like it's easy to save money. <laughs> it's it is a life like journey mission. I think it's a mission. I think that's the word I'm gonna go with. but yeah, so
2: a mission, yes.
1: yeah. so like these changes that you make in your lifestyle to reduce your expenses is that is significant because you're not this isn't just a I'm gonna eat rice and beans for six months and sprint to see you challenge myself to see how much debt I can pay off. I love that. I love that idea, but this is longer. And you need to develop a system of values based spending um, and understand yourself and what you want, because that's the only way that you're gonna make this, sa- this type of saving sustainable. So, yes, we love these tips. We've got over 200 of them in our Modern Frugal Living ebook that I'm sure a lot of you've seen. Those are just the start, like, those are the foundation. Really identifying your values and creating a values-based spending system—that's the goal. Like that's the goal. That's the tool to get here. So I think I think that's like an important perspective that I like. Literally just came realized on the spot. Uh, the second one I really appreciated the way this one was worded. Uh, the second one is to reduce your interest burden. I appreciate this line so much because typically you would see, pay off your debt. But this is like a mindset shift of, why are we paying off our debt? What's the point? Like, yeah, we hear, yeah, I shouldn't have any debt. Let me pay it off. It's evil. It's not. But the reason we pay off our debt is because it is charging us interest. It is costing us to have that money. If it was not costing us, To borrow that money, no one would pay off their debt. Nobody's paid off their student loans in the last two years, (laughs) their federal student loans. Like, nobody (laughs) has done that. Well, I'm sure, I'm so sorry if you have. I don't want to exclude you. But like most people haven't, if it's not costing you, you won't pay it off. And so the real thing that we're doing by paying off debt is reducing our interest burden. And we want to specifically focus on interest burdens that are higher than the returns that we could get through investing. And so that is a big distinction to make where there are camps where it's like, I only want to pay off debt and then I'll invest, or I only want to invest, I don't want to pay off debt, or, or somewhere in the middle. The real point of paying off debt is to reduce your interest burden. And I like the number 7% f- when calculating return like long-term investment returns for a diversified portfolio and so really anything I know David Bach of the latte effect he says anything under um, anything over five percent so anything over that five to seven percent that that is a heavy interest burden and should definitely be eliminated anything under five percent is kind of like less pants on fire and more like, sitting on hot coals sort of thing. So you can if you're thinking about maybe I should have gone with heavy things versus fire. I I can't think of anything right now. But and so yeah, if you're thinking about your burden as being fire, things that are above what you would get in the um in your long-term investment is that's pants on fire, get rid of it and then below is hot coals. It's definitely diminishing your returns, but it's not like you're not dumb for not getting rid of it. Like, so...
2: We've got so many images. Yeah. So much
1: imagery happening here. Picturing people hopping around, taking have, their
2: pants off. I do not, fire not had Nowhere where
1: in my mind did people take their <laughs> pants off, Jill. Nowhere. You
2: said if your pants are in fire, you want to get out of that. You
1: don't want to get Something out of that. that. That would be like cons- like, like <laughs> consolidating <laughs> your debt. Take your and fiery take- pants no, off. No, put the fire out, Jill. Gosh. Your mindset needs to be shifted. We don't want to take the pants off. (laughs) We want to put the fire out on the pants because we like the pants. Okay.
2: Well, eventually the pants will need to get changed because soot. (laughs) Move on. The next one is invest in... (laughs) <laughs> okay, and I refuse to use this word. Just I mean same. It's better than the word cheap, but I'm not using it. Invest in, I'm gonna say efficient vehicles and the products. Word they use the term savvy. Yeah. Savvy. savvy. I don't, I don't know know what even that understand means. what what that yeah. is. So we're not using it. So invest in efficient, smart vehicles and products. So once you have begun to ramp up your savings and investing, you've got a plan, you want to make sure that you're putting your money in the smartest possible place. So they list out a few things to be considering we want vehicles and products that are going to help us save on taxes. Some of these tax-sheltered investment options include your traditional 401k, your traditional IRA. These are things that help to protect and buffer us from some of that tax burden. They will be helpful vehicles for investing.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's helpful. We're not talking about cars, we're talking about investment vehicles and investment products.
2: This is not cars no. on
1: fire. Cars on fire. No pants on fire. <laughs> yeah, so um, I think what a lot of people miss, we, we talk a lot about low-cost investments. We really love index funds and ETFs because they're very affordable and user-friendly investment options. But people don't think about how much their taxes are taxes are higher, they are a higher percentage, quote unquote, fee than any brokerage or managed fund will charge you. So that's kind of the first thing that you want to look at. And you don't get that on the actual investment, that's on the account. So that's why we love the tax advantage retirement accounts, your IRAs and your employer sponsored so those are best if you are so we had this in our um our Q&A with our membership last night like if you have a IRA and you're maxing that out and you want to invest more and you don't have an employer sponsored plan where do you go Well one of your options is if you have your own business you can actually open your own like solo 401k or something like that you would have to see With a W-2, there there are several different types of quote-unquote employer-sponsored plans you can open yourself if you have like your own side hustle. You just have to see how that conflicts with what your W-2 employer does and doesn't offer. But if you cannot open some kind of ESP, employer-sponsored plan, then you go to brokerage account like a traditional regular brokerage account as your last resort. But it's going to be, you're, you're paying taxes on what you've already earned, you're paying capital gains taxes, you're you know paying taxes later. Like it's not, it's still better than a savings account for sure, especially long-term, but it is taxed higher than an IRA or a 401k or comparable. So taxes are important, pay attention to them.
2: Also, along the lines of investing in the right types of vehicles, the vehicle again not a car that you're driving, but it's what <laughs> Which, you're putting when your money this, into. I was, what you're investing. I thought it in, was cars yeah, for a second. Is that's amazing. I know. Is the manager risk appropriately? I know we talk about or you hear this a lot. Like, what's your level of risk? And sometimes we don't know, but generally, it's going to be considering how much time you have how old are you how much time do you have until you retire that's going to dictate some of the risk that you might take but also how much you know about the investment do your own research don't just take the information from one person who's doing something that sounds too good to be true i know i know way too many people and i'm not going to say what it was or who it was but just invested in some very risky because it wasn't even something to be investing in, didn't know much about it, just knew that someone who sounded kind of smart is doing this thing. And so like, I might as well do it too, and lost a lot of money. And mm-hmm. that's not just unlucky. That's like, we didn't do our research. Yeah. So that that's what we mean when we say manage risk. Yeah. Know what you're investing in
1: and know how old you are and how much time you have. Yes, to be investing. So I was listening to Scam Fluencers the podcast and they were talking about uh, this Hollywood scam which ended up being a Ponzi scheme. But essentially the guy was taking investments from his friends and then instead of investing it into the actual business he said he had, he was paying off earlier investors. And that's a that's a Ponzi scheme and They were saying in the podcast that people invested their life savings into this, like everything they had, parents, grandparents, friends, because this person they thought was their friend, this person they knew, they just thought they trusted. And I was so sad because this, obviously, investing in businesses is a great way to get a higher return than the stock market, but the people that do that know that they could lose everything, And like venture capital funds expect only 20% of their investments to like make back a return. They just expect those 20% to make back all of the 80% of losses. Like that's how it works. You have to have money to lose if you're going to get these bigger gains from these like obscure investments. If you ain't got the money to lose, do it in a safe safe space. Um, and for all that it's worth, the stock market is a safer space than so many other types of investments, especially if you are in a well-diversified, you have a well-diversified portfolio. So that's, uh, that's what I learned from scam fluencers this week. Uh, the next is to maximize employee benefits. And so first we think of the matching on the 401k, which is always something you should get. Um, I think, so we have like a chart in our membership in the investing lesson that gives you savings plans for a hundred thousand, like a five, 10 and 15 year plan. And I think the 10 year plan, one of the 10 year plans is just, it's 585 a month. And you could do 500 in an IRA and 85 in your employer-sponsored plan. And typically, that's going to be like, they'll match that too. So it's going to be, you'll get to it even faster. But yeah, so take that for sure. Uh, But there are other employee benefits that can help you as well, such as discounts at places. They'll help you lower your expenses. Health savings accounts. This is a great thing if you don't have maybe an employer-sponsored plan, but you do have a high-deductible health care plan through your employer that has a health savings account, because this can be used kind of exactly like a 401k, but uh, with a a little more flexible, much lower uh, limit. So you can save... Like pre-tax, just like a 401k, and you can use it throughout your life on any qualified medical expenses. But if you don't and you use it like a 401k, then um, at, gosh, I think it's 59 and a half. I could be wrong. I think it might be 70. I don't know. Check my math. Check my facts. It converts to a regular retirement account. So yeah, that health savings account is a great option if you have access to that and not like a 401k or something but but yeah maximize your employee benefits and whenever you're looking for new jobs to increase your income Compare employee benefits as well. Like ask to look at their 401k plan and look in the investments inside of it. See what the fees are on them. Ask about their you know health savings account options. Like these are things that are also going to impress whoever you're interviewing with because it means you know your stuff.
2: These last two, I'm going to combine because I think that they can go hand in hand. And also, you've heard of this. You know this. This is just your friendly reminder to create short-term goals And generate additional income. We are going to be far more likely to get at big, lofty goals if we break them down into bite sized, manageable, attainable pieces that allow us to experience wins along the way, celebrate, see the successes, see that we can do it, build our resilience, have muscle memory, break it down into short term savings goals. And when those savings goals, even in the short term, feel a little bit too beyond your reach, reach, generate additional income. I mean, even if they're not beyond your reach, generate additional mm-hmm. income because then you can reach all those short-term goals faster. So whether that means talking with your current employer, <laughs> changing jobs, or starting a side hustle, you name it, it's always going to be a fantastic thing to aim at in how can I increase my income. We're not saying to push yourself to the point of stress, overwhelm, fatigue, but are there creative ways to be bringing in more income that's going to help us get at these short-term savings goals and the long-term savings goals, get us to that $100,000, and then just see the growth from
1: there. And we're here for you along the way. And you know what else we're also here for? I, I have a follow up statement. We're here for my follow up statement, Jill. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I just wanted to say, like, it's it's no longer an option to only have one stream of income. Like, the world is volatile, inflation is insane, and it's no longer acceptable for us to have one stream of income. Like, I think we all know that at this point, even if we're trying to avoid the fact is it okay? Is it just debatable? Like probably not. But we can sit around and wait for things to change outside of our control or we can do something about it that's inside of our control now. And if you wait 5 years, you're going to wish that you had started 5 years ago when you heard this. And so I think it's it's important. It's more important than just like, oh, let me get on Uber or Uber Eats and and make some quick cash. I think we all need to be focused on how do I like generate additional income long term. And that's all I have to say about that. (laughs)
2: Taking into consideration your capacity, I'm going to be, I'm holding the tension. I'm holding the tension Mm -hmm. of those tent stakes on all sides because I know that there are some people who work 80 hours a week, even 60 hours a week and recognize your life season, recognize your capacity. But certainly I agree, have your sights on this, whether that means that's not sustainable, even Mm -hmm. if you stay in that job. So that could mean a change in employment that generates additional income, or it could mean, yes, that we find ways that don't overwhelm or overburden us that could bring in additional income just the permission for creativity in this space that we don't have to stay in one place and think this is just what I have to base my life around yeah make what you set your hands to also work for you you know what we also make
1: work for us Jill <laughs> We're It's never, never gonna, gonna be there. there it's never gonna be there you I <clears throat> okay it's there <laughs>
3: This is the Bill of the Week. Hello. So I'm Grace from Maryland, and I, first off, love the podcast, but my Bill of the Week is that I was, like, looking at my budget and everything, I was like, okay, well, I could cancel my digital-only Weight Watcher subscription. I was like, yeah, they, they advertise other things in the program as well, like little things you could buy too. so i'm like how is that really different than my fitness pal which is free you know okay i'll just i'll cancel that i'll switch over to my fitness pal i mean i sure i enjoy the community and weight watchers but i'm gonna make do save the money and then as i'm like going through the cancellation process and everything it's like oh this discounted price 13 dollars a month and i'm like "No, no no no, cancel cancel it's like two free months so i'm like okay So that's my bill of the week. I got two free months of Weight Watchers because I was like, nah, I'm going to cancel. So I gave them the fake out, although I was actually serious. Anyway, that's my bill of the week. Bye.
1: (laughs) That's hilarious. I'm so glad that we could help you get that.
2: (laughs) I love the it was serious, but then it turned into a fake out and... The benefit that you can receive from that. So that is both a tip for someone who wants to try and reduce expenses to see what is the company going to give you because they'd rather have your loyalty oh, yeah, they, than uh, lose you. Yeah. But also, I would encourage you once those two free months are up, see what your life is like without it. Are there things that you can implement beyond that, that you don't have to pay for that subscription. Again, when we're talking about getting that some debt payoff or long-term savings goals, those are the things that are really going to help us not keeping those $10, $13, $20, $28 subscriptions, but really honing in on our budget and figuring out free alternatives. We're here for you. We're celebrating that bill. If you all listening have a bill, whether it's a fake out or a real out, or your pants are on fire. We want to hear it. Visit frugalfriendspodcast.com slash bill. Leave us your bill. Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10 times points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. Nerd Wallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight, a room upgrade, don't wait to make smart financial decisions.
1: Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet, finance smarter.
2: Today, I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids.
0: How about instead of timeouts, time ends. Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm J.B. Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed, straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available
2: wherever you will get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at and hypergig for details. And now it's time for... The
1: Lightning Round! You think that's how their pants got on fire? They were hit by lightning? <laughs> yes,
2: possibly. Gosh, they'd have more problems than their pants being on fire. So that's true.
1: Well, uh, in this episode of questions that Goldie has given us to get vulnerable with you, I like this one. What is the most challenging part of saving for you? Mm, Jill.
2: <sighs> Competing goals. I have so many things that I want to do with my money, and I have made more money. I have generated additional income, which is so amazing to see that it's possible from 2018 to 2022. We've really done it. We have. We've done it. And I hope that we keep doing it. But the goals keep increasing. And the part of that could be lifestyle inflation for sure, but I've got so many things that I want to do and that I want to do right now that it can be tough to get at that that one thing of $10,000 a year. I'm not doing that. Mm-hmm. I'd love to get to the point of doing that. But I also want to cash flow renovations. I also want to not get into further debt. And the reality is, is that, while I I want to avoid a scarcity mindset. My resources are not unlimited. I don't have unlimited money. I'm still like a very typical person. <laughs> like I don't, I don't make crazy amounts of money. I make more than I did five years ago. But I still have to be really thoughtful about what am I going to do with this? So some of that has to do with, all right, can I give myself grace, freedom, and permission to take time to even get to that $10,000 of savings idea? But also, can I generate more income? And so some of this Cash-flowing renovations is what's going to allow us to generate more income through having short-term rentals. So there's a, I have to keep reminding myself of why am I doing what I'm doing? How is this helping me get to my goal? I can't do it all, everything at once. Is this still the best thing to be doing with my time, energy, resources? Okay, keep going. Nice. That's my little (laughs) self-talk.
1: I will say you may have gone first, but I wrote down my answer first And mine is also goals. So mine is specifically having concrete goals. I have, yeah, I mean, competing goals is I think most people's, gonna be most people's answers. Like there are so many things pulling for our money. And with every increase in income, we have another financial goal to add somehow. But I think for me, I am still a little burnt out from our debt payoff journey. I know it's been like five years, but those two years were very traumatizing. And I have, I don't know. And then we just, we saved like so fast for our, to get to that first 100K. And so I think it hasn't been challenging like stocking away money because our frugality allows us to naturally spend under what we make. We pay less attention to our budget if we have one because we know what we make and what we want and we just save the excess. And so having a concrete goal though does help us save more. Like with the um, buying the new house, that was like a big thing for us. So a big savings goal. So I would say, yeah, having the concrete goal, having the one goal. I think th- I think we can sum this lightning round up by saying like focus on one goal, which is what we always say, focus on one goal at a time. And so if you are paying off debt and you still want to get the clock running on your compound interest, you don't have to choose one or the other, but choose one as your primary goal and then just maybe do a little excess here and there at the other. Um, And for most people listening, that's usually going to be like, focus on paying off the debt, especially if it is a heavy interest burden, and then get your employer match every month if you have one, or do $100 into a Roth IRA every month, money that you won't miss that won't make a big difference in your debt payoff, so that you can start to get that ball rolling, but it doesn't feel like these goals are competing,
2: yeah, having something on in the background that you're not thinking about, the the auto payment into that savings so that your real-time energy attention goes to the things that are going to be necessary for whatever the main goal is at the time. Mm-hmm. Thanks, everyone, so much for listening. It's been a pleasure hanging out with you. And many of you know that we have a private community where we do monthly money challenges. This is the community I was talking about through this episode where Jen was like, I have a goal to help people get to this $100,000 of savings. So if this sounds intriguing to you, feel free to check it out. But we also offer accountability groups. And we want to congratulate people in this community. One of our members just had a big win, Emily. And she titled her announcement Up Level. She said, Finally opened up a Roth IRA for my husband. Now we just need to link his accounts and fund it. I also opened up an online bank account so I can get out of my shifty account. Oh, that's not what she said, but I'm
3: <laughs> glad I. <laughs>
2: That was my way of <laughs> censoring. you did that on purpose. Get out of her oh, that's great. shifty account. <laughs> I really need to switch all of our bank accounts and consolidate them, but one step at a time. Next step is a switch to my direct deposit. I'm going to use this thread to update my progress so y'all can hold me accountable.
1: Yes. Okay, well, I'm going to go back in and check that thread, Emily, but congrats. I love all the actionable progress that you are making. And yeah, right now in May, we're doing an investing challenge. So you'll just have to see what our challenge is for June.
2: Mm. Amazing. Thanks, everyone, for listening. If you want to check out our monthly challenge community, head to frugalfriendspodcast.com slash club to see what challenge we have coming up
1: next. See y'all next week. Frugal Friends is produced by Eric Sirianni.
0: Right Rug Flooring.